I will be uh, extremely short, but I want to uh, leave you with a word. Uh, a lot of it was spoken at the by the people who got baptized. Exodus chapter thirty-three, verses eight through 11 it says whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting that is the tabernacle all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside as he went into the tabernacle the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 10. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tabernacle, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents, their own residences. Verse 11. Inside the tent of meeting, God, the tabernacle that is, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speak to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua of Nun, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tabernacle. I, I want to talk about real rest, part two, and I want to talk briefly about encounters. 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 One encounter will change your life, as we heard on a number of occasion. Uh, the word encounter, again, I want to remind you, it, is, it comes from two Latin words, in, which means in front of, and contra, which means face-to-face. -face. It means not only face-to-face, -face, but it also means on the other side. The word contra means opposite. So, when you're talking about an encounter, it is, if you can come here, it is someone who's in front of you, you're on the opposite side. And, and we're, we're grateful when we have this relationship of face-to-face -face with God. Because in the Hebrew, there is no word, there's no word in the Hebrew for presence of God. The word presence in the Hebrew is face. So when you are in the presence of God, you're in the face of, of God. So the beauty of it is, yes, I'm face to face. The challenge is that the encounter means that God is on the other side, and God is on the opposite side, and God is going to be in opposition of us. Okay, what do you mean by that? In opposition for us. Doesn't the Bible say that, that God is for us? Paul says, if God is as far as who can be against us. Uh, well, 
by opposition, it doesn't necessarily mean he's fighting against us. What it means is that uh, his ways are not going to be our ways. Whenever there's an encounter with God, he is going to be, he's going to bring up something in opposition of what we're doing. For example, Esther is in the kingdom. She thinks that her being chosen as queen was kind of lucky. And she is enjoying the benefits of the kingdom in Esther chapter 4 without the responsibility. So Mordecai, her uncle, says to her, you need to understand that there's genocide that's about to take place. And who knows, maybe you were called into the kingdom for such a time as this. So my point is, God all of a sudden confronts her. She has an encounter with the Lord through her uncle that's basically saying, you're going the wrong way. And you need to change the way you think. Because if you don't, you're going to miss the assignment that God has called you to be in here for this moment. Are you with me so far? Yeah. The, 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 the encounter, if, if, if an encounter with God does not challenge the way you've been doing things, then I question the encounter. The encounter is not to give you chills up your spine. The account is not to just, oh, I had an encounter, I fall out. No, there ought to be, like the young lady said, something changed. What happened? There was a confrontation. What was the confrontation? She was listening to lies that said, you are going to die of cancer. She was listening to lies that were saying, you will be stuck in fornication. And immediately, an encounter turned everything around. Are you with me so far? And the beauty of an encounter, like she said, I saw Jesus, and you can't unsee what you saw. We used to sing a song, you can't make me doubt him. What? I know too much about him. Uh, is there anybody here that it would, take a, it would take a whole lot for you to turn back on the Lord because he's done too much for you already? And even if you turn back on the Lord, you could not say, you really could not lie to yourself and say there's no God because he's done too much. Can you tell somebody next to you that the Lord has done too much for me? Oh, the, the power of an encounter, this, this, this God wrecking our way. Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 8, he says, Seek ye, Lord, while he may be found call upon him while he's near. He says, my way is not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Okay, as high as the heavens above the earth, so my thoughts hide in your thoughts. He goes on to say uh, another scripture. It says, uh, whether you turn, uh, um, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying what? This is the way, walk in it. Uh, that's why we have to pray. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all thy what? Ways. 
acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. There's another scripture, Proverbs 14, verse 21. There is a what? Way that what? Seems right to a man, but the end of that way is the way of death. God is always going to deal with your ways. Jesus Christ said in John 14, verse 6, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Even, even, even Samuel had to have an encounter. He's a prophet. The Bible says that not word, one word fell to the ground. And here he is. He's going to Bethlehem, and he's about to anoint the king. And he sees Eliab, David's older brother, and he says his mind, surely this must be the king. He goes through three of them, and finally the Lord says to him in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, he says, stop looking at their appearance. Man's ways is, look at, is to look at the outward appearance, but my way is looking at the heart. And in this season of encounters, God is going to wreck the way you think. And it's going to feel like I can't remember who said it. Uh, it was Kayla who said it. It's going to feel like God is against you because he's, good, he's burning up everything in your life. He's going heart hunting. He's dealing with attitudes. Don't be surprised. I'm going to look at the clock. Don't be surprised if things start agitating you. People start getting on your nerves. You're feeling offended. It's because God is getting at some stuff in you because he's saying, if you're going to go to the next level, this has got to go. And, and hmm, we look at consecration as, if I can borrow your other word, we, we look at consecration as God setting me apart so that he can use me. But he has to set some of, but he has to set some of us apart from some of our stuff. You can't take that bad temper where you're going. You can't take that traditional thinking. It has to be done this way and expect to go to the new thing. It's amazing we want a new thing, but we don't want to change our old ways. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you right now. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. There are some people right now who would have a heart attack if they saw our praise and worship team wearing pants and jewelry and makeup and false eyelashes and all that. The truth will make you free. All sorts of... Don't, don't let me... I'll stop right there. Some of you are like, okay. <laughs> Too late. Because, because in their mindset, they think church has to be done a certain way. And if God's going to do a new thing, he has to renovate our hearts so that we can receive the new thing. You had Paul going on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He thought he thought he was doing the will of God, killing Christians. And then he has an encounter. And Jesus says, no, why are you, why are you, why are you crucifying me? Why are you persecuting me, Paul? 
and it turns them around and it changes. At the age of 19, I had an encounter, uh, a face-to-face, a opposition, a God saying, you're going the wrong way with your career. I went on a two-day fast, and some of you heard this before. I went on a two-day fast. I was a sophomore at Bentley University. Was planning on, you know, making money and wearing my pinstripe suits and power ties, and was going to head down to Atlanta. Was starting to grow at that time. This was 1980, 81, actually 1979, and and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to move to Atlanta, the Black Mecca. It's just, you know, it's coming. It's starting to bloom, and all of a sudden, the Lord, I'm in the middle of just a two-day fast, just, just been trying to get closer to God, and he says two things to me. He says, you're going to pass the Pentecostal Tabernacle Church, and you're going to marry Common Selma. And I was like, I didn't ask for all that. I'm, I'm just trying to know, you're going to get me, can, can I be a CPA or something? And, and, and my point is, is that that course, the, the, the funny thing is is that uh, Carmen and I got married uh, six years later, five years, five years, five years later. So that, that, that moved pretty much according to schedule. Uh, I, I thought I'd be pastoring around 25. I didn't realize that the Lord would take 17 years to do that. Um, but then I realized there's a scripture in Psalms 105, verse 20, 21. You may want to memorize that scripture. It says, it says, until Joseph's prophetic word came to pass, that same word tested him. So when you get these prophetic words and you're doing these cartwheels, understand that that word may not come to pass for a good 17 years. It's quiet in here. But it was that encounter that kept me in this church until God did what he's supposed to do. So the goal of this consecration is to create encounters so that when you come into this house, there will be a face-to-face to God with God that will change everything. That's the goal. That's, that, that is my objective is to see that you have face-to-face with God. It may come in the beginning prayer. It may come in a conversation. It may come through the worship. It may come through the word, but it's coming. It's coming. Uh, we've been having ways of encounters. Last Friday was... Wow. Friday night was wow. 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 So much so that, you know, uh, 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 Lady Common and I will we'll be here Friday night again. Uh, what time should we be here? Two hours. Yeah. Huh? Ten? Okay, so we'll be here ten. Ten to midnight. Just in the presence of God, see what he's going to do. Why? 
I, 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 I saw people having encounters, and there was one person that I saw have an encounter. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is that they were up, and then they fell out. And this is not this person's MO. So I text them, and I said, if you feel free, could you tell me what happened to you? And so they sent me the text of what happened to them Friday night. Let me read it. They said, I've been fasting, and I was, I was stunned because I would have never known. See, this is the thing about bondages. We're so good at hiding them that you would never know that people have it in this area. I was stunned at the first sentence. I was fasting primarily from fear. I had to start, I say, you? You're one of the most accomplished people in this church that I know of. But doesn't matter. Fear is fear. Fear was revealed to me as something that God wanted me to overcome, to walk fully in his power and what I am capable of. Here's the point. There are some people that are saying, Elder Roy, you look at him and say, man, Elder Roy got it going on. And you know, Elder Roy used to have a Jaguar, and we know that a Jaguar has 12 cylinders. Are you following me? And so you, so you have a Jaguar that has 12, 12 cylinders. I think you have a Honda that got about six. And so when he operates at eight, you're like, wow, you're really operating. But what we don't know is that he's not operating at full capacity. So there's some people you're looking at, you're like, wow, they got it on. And God's like, no, I gave them 12 cylinders, and they're only operating on eight. So the person who has four, you're like, oh, my goodness. But God is saying, oh, no, if you don't operate on 12, you're going to be judged on your 12. I also have a deep-seated fear of people that was keeping me from many things that God wanted for me to do. That struck me because this person's in the people business. As I've been consecrating, I can feel a shift happening. When I was worshiping, God revealed that I had a barrier that was keeping my prayer requests silent. Prayers for people and situations that I was quietly praying about but that I truly needed to pray out loud to him with no fear that people would think I was crazy. As I was worshiping, I could see all the people lifted from my heart to God like a bubble rising. God was saying, break free, have no fear. I started jumping, praising, and running in place at what I was seeing in my mind. The breakthrough was in the power of my prayers to God. Then someone approached me and said, God wanted to launch me forward. He wanted me to not just step out, but charge like a bull. That my time of quiet suffering and praying was over. They said, let my yes be yes, and my no be no, and God was ready to support because he, God, believed in me. Tell somebody God believes in you. The last thing they told me was that I was an intercessor, which Lady Carmen also told me. 
and that I had prayers that were blocked, that were locked inside of me that I needed to actively communicate because people needed them and they would be activated only on my prayers. How could this person have known what God was communicating to me about my fear about that time? How could they know? I knew it was God speaking directly through that person. I felt a pressure pushing me lower and lower saying, fall, rest in me. That's when I noticed that they kind of went down. Uh, it was when I, oh, God was saying, it is when I overcome you that you will rise with no fear. My, I am teary-eyed even as I write this. I am overwhelmed by how the Holy Spirit moves. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the stories we're hearing about people having encounters with you. And Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, because as the young lady shared, encounters with you are not limited to just being in church. Moses' encounter was in the burning bush. Paul's encounter was on the road to Damascus. Esther's encounter was in a palace. Oh, God. Peter's encounter was why he was taking a nap. And he has an encounter in Acts chapter 10 that you are not limiting yourself to just saving Jewish people that you want to go after the Gentiles. Oh, God. But you have to oppose the way we think. You have to wreck the way we think you do things. Because, Lord, there's a way that we think is right, but it's not the right way. So you have to deal with us. You have to, you have to as you said in Romans chapter 12, you have to transform us by the renewing of our mind so that we would know what the will of God is. So, Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that as you deal with our hearts, help us understand that our hearts are deceitful above all things. Above, above anything else our heart does. Above our heart's ability to love. About our, above our heart's ability to have strong emotions. The one thing our heart will do, it will deceive us. It will deceive us. The one thing about our hearts is that we don't know it. But the Bible says, you know our hearts. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that you will deal with our hearts, that you will deal with our attitudes. There, there, there are some prejudices. There are some prejudgments that we hold in our hearts, and we've been holding them for years. I'm asking you to break the bondage of those lies that are in us and set us free so that we can do what you called us to do. Oh, God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that Pentecostal Tabernacle will be a different church come April 21st. I, 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 that's what I'm begging. I want, and, and, Lord, I'm asking you that you will make Pentecostal Tabernacle's pastor a different person by the by Easter. Yeah, there may be a resurrection that we're celebrating of Jesus, but I want a resurrection of a new church. 
a resurrection of a new pastor, a resurrection of the, of, of the pastor's marriage. Lord, start with me, start with me, start with me, start with me. So, Father, I pray that when we look back on this season, that we will say, we will mark this season, 2019, as a transformative moment in our lives that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when we're talking to our children or our children's children, we could say, yeah, and in the spring of 2019, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I had an encounter with him and I was never the same after that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.